Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today, I'm here with Joey Lee, a social entrepreneur dedicating her work towards building a business that supports homelessness. She is the CEO and co-founder of Leho, the social enterprise where every purchase helps to fund basic essentials such as clean socks, underwear, toiletries, sleeping bags, or even a hot meal to those without a home. She's based in London, the UK, and before she moved to London, she grew up mainly in Hong Kong and also lived in other big cities like Singapore, Los Angeles, and Vancouver which allowed her to connect with lots of people from different backgrounds and cultures. She started Leho in December 2019, right after her master's at City University, which is super impressive. And she also was recently listed as top 100 women in social enterprise EU by Euclid Network 2022. Super impressed. <laughs> I have so many questions for her. And I'm super curious about her journey. So welcome to the show, Joy. So happy to have you. Thank you so much. Wow, you did your research on my intro. <laughs> I basically stalked you. <laughs> you nailed everything. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that was good. So yeah, uh, so you are currently based in London, uh, but you grew up mainly in Hong Kong and you also lived in Singapore and Los Angeles and Vancouver, like so many different countries and big cities. Um, how was growing up in different countries and, you know, different cultures? Like, I'm curious, like, has it impacted the way you, how you view the world? Yeah, for sure. Um, firstly, I would say it's, amazing and like obviously such a privilege to be able to live in so many different countries and I think it's definitely like broadened my perspective um of the world it makes me realize that you know we're all quite similar um in terms of our interests the music we listen to um and like the activities so like in every country that I lived in everyone loved still loved watching football it was just you know we're all quite interconnected and I think it takes you to I guess travel and live in those different countries to realize that you know, again, activities and stuff is all quite similar. Um, and I would say it's definitely opened my mind to being able to connect with people from different backgrounds and cultures, which kind of shaped where I am with Leho today. And, you know, the kind of business we want to build mm -hmm. um, around like compassion and purpose and stuff. I think that has definitely been quite heavily influenced by, you know, living in so many different countries um and yeah and it's taught me you know how to be more acceptable to change and um learn how to say goodbyes easier oh, <laughs> and yeah. saying goodbye to friends yeah it's like a third culture kid thing when you know people come and go all the time so it's it's been a lot easier now but I think wow. yeah it's definitely done some good training <laughs> no I didn't even think about that but that is actually true especially like when you were young like you know when you're like in a middle school high school or elementary school even like friendship is like one of the most important things and like yeah, yeah saying goodbye to your friends is hard but I guess like you just built your muscle and you're just like getting used to it I guess yeah it's crazy it's like um I remember I had a couple of best friends that you know, I built such a good relationship with and then they like moved to Sydney and then they moved, like I moved to LA and it's just, 
like it's just so crazy you know and now I haven't like seen them in years and we catch up every like three or four years um mm. but it's just so interesting like to kind of see it in that perspective because I never mm. really realized it when I was at school but now mm-hmm. now that I'm like a grown-up <laughs> it's like really <laughs> interesting to yeah just to see how many goodbyes and how many friends we kind of had and having that international kind of um yeah world is just really yeah really interesting Mm -hmm. do you feel like you know after you know you know living in different kind of like places at such a young age right do you feel like you know now like is it has it been easier for you to make new friends now like for example you've been living in different cities and when you first moved to the moved to london was it easier for you compared to the past um yeah i would say it's definitely I would say more for work it's made me I guess open up and connect with like mm-hmm. loads of different people you know because obviously mm-hmm. we work with a lot of vulnerable people and I think that has been the biggest um effect basically because you know we work with vulnerable women who are refugees and people from like all over the world mm-hmm. and I think because I lived in so many different countries I was able to then connect with so many people from different backgrounds that when it comes to working with vulnerable women or children you have that I can't even explain it it's just a very Mm. different kind of connection um Mm. with friends wise like I had a lot of friends from Hong Kong that I'm still friends with here and I think the Hong Kong and like London culture is a little bit similar obviously it's not Mm. the same but Hong Kong used to be a British colony so I think in that respect it was it was still easier but I think yeah it the living in different countries would I would say definitely affected more like my kind of connection with like work people (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and yeah and friends as well so yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. amazing amazing and I personally think that like each country or even like the city has its own kind of unique vibe and unique energy and you've been living in different, so many different places. So how would you describe each place you've been living so far? And what are your some of favorite things about each place? Ooh, um, I'm going to start with, <laughs> I'm going to start with Canada because I don't actually remember it too much. I was like a baby, but also we used to go there every summer. So I loved Canada. It was just such a beautiful country. Everyone is mm-hmm. so nice. And um, it was just a really nice, simple life. And then you have Hong Kong and LA, which, oh no, sorry, Hong Kong and London, which are quite similar um, in terms of just the hustle, bustle kind of city culture. And Hong Kong, I love so much still. It's, you know, amazing. You can go on hikes over the weekend, you can go to beaches, the food is so good. And it's just so convenient. Like I could, if say I was out on a Friday night and I wanted to see a friend and they were on like a different island, it's only like a 30 minute drive yeah. or like 20 or 10 minutes, you know, it's like super convenient to be like, okay, I'll meet you there in five minutes. Whereas mm. in London, like say I was in, I don't know, Clapham and my friend was in Brixton, we would be like, no chance, even though it's again, only like a 15, 20 minute drive. Mm. Um, so it's just really interesting. Like in Hong Kong, it's like, you know we would all kind of meet up in the same night and then London it's like no we'll see you next week so (laughs) (laughs) um, but I love London for its like entrepreneurial support and culture Mm. it's just amazing like we have so many I've built such like a great startup network um, in London and I think it's yeah it's just such a great place for that and Singapore super clean and Mm -hmm. again really nice simple life and it's fun it's beautiful country 
and LA I would say I loved it I went to school there when I was a teenager um it was very much like what you see in the movies you've got cheerleader football team is it that's true because I've never lived in Los Angeles I was always curious is it really like that the Hollywood movie yeah (laughs) um yeah I went to school in LA and we had the kind of head cheerleader go out with like the head um of the football team so it was just really interesting but it was definitely a culture shock I would say it's just Mm -hmm. very different because Hong Kong and London are quite similar in terms of like British side of things and then LA was just again very different but I loved it I feel like every country has its own you know um plus and minuses so yeah wow wow you definitely I think you're very very I think yeah I mean that's I think uh, at such a young age like having experience like different cultures like that I think that's really precious I think that's definitely helped helped you you know kind of open your your mind open your eyes as well like as you said like refugees and working with you know women and stuff like that I think uh it's it's really incredible um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so, and I think oh sorry I was just gonna quickly no, no, add no, like go ahead. back to you know how I said every country or like we're all kind of similar every again every country has its own social issues um Mm -hmm. which I never really realized I mean obviously I realized but to kind of put it into perspective you know there's homelessness in LA there's homelessness in London and Hong Kong um but then again there's still a lot of social issues in Singapore and Canada so it's just really interesting to kind of see Mm -hmm. that you know each country although very different again Mm -hmm. still quite similar yeah yeah, because at the end of the day, we're just all humans, right? Whether, mm. you know, what kind of like cultural background that we have, we're just like, I think you mentioned at the beginning, we are all same at the end of the day, right? Even though Similar, have- yeah, similar. So like, again, it's like the music that we listen to, you know, how the mm. fact that we went to, went to school and, you know, as kids, like there were days where I didn't want to go to school, I didn't want to do my homework. And it's the same, you know, wherever, mm. whatever country you're in, you have kids that do that as well. And it's, you yeah, know, after true. school, playing football, like I love playing tennis and golf and you have that again in like every single mm-hmm. kind of country. So it's just, yeah, interesting to see it in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, super cool. And uh, yeah, and now I, I definitely want to talk more about your 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 entrepreneur journey and your Leho. Uh, yeah, so um, so you moved to, to the UK uh, for your bachelor's uh, at Newcastle University and then you yeah. did your, your master's. And right after you graduated from, you know, your, your master's degree in 2019, you started your own business, which is amazing. You, and then like you, you have successful business and it's incredible. Um, and I'm sure a lot of like, you know, people, especially like young girls are probably like, I'm sure they're looking up to you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, have you always envisioned yourself like starting your own business and being an entrepreneur, starting your own business when you were young or even in the university or, uh, yeah, or just like, you know, when you were, you know, doing your master's degree, like what was the career path that you, you had at that time? Um, I actually always think about this. So when I was younger, I... I would say I'm still quite similar to what I am now. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I loved kind of like leading or organizing things and doing like diverse tasks. And I think till this day, I'm exactly the same. Like I can't just focus on one thing. I have to have like, you know, different departments that I do just Mm. to add a bit of diversity and 
more stress into my life (laughs) but um I would say I didn't expect to start my own company like I never I didn't think I would start it after uni like I knew one day I would start something of my own or I would have my own company but I never thought it would be like straight after my master's um but funnily enough when I was doing my master's I was already kind of like I used to work in events um, when I was kind of younger, just even at uni and stuff like that. Um, and then when I graduated uni and did my master's, I started like small businesses and projects. They weren't like a mm. full on business where I was making a profit. It was just a passion project. Oh, wow. And yeah, I always had like loads of different pas- passion projects here and there. Wow. And then I think because I went to City Uni, I met my co-founder there and we both kind of wanted to start something with purpose and the uni had so much support that it just Mm. made starting a business after uni like so easy for us you know there were pitching competitions you could win funding you got so much feedback and it was just so just I guess prepared you know Mm. it was like everything was kind of set in stone you have your problem solution and then they would give you Mm. like again feedback and all this advice that it just made building the business with that support so much easier and because I had already started a few like passion projects before I was able to replicate that but in a more official official way (laughs) with Leho so yeah wow and when you started your passion projects like during uni was it just like intentional or you just did it just for fun and just like you know out of passion or do you like you know did you have an intention back in mind like oh like this is gonna be helpful for me in my future entrepreneur journey or was it just like purely for fun um I think it's always purely <laughs> for fun That's and passion. I still yeah. yeah I still till this day have like passion projects honestly my the co-founder is like she'll just hear me once every three months be like oh my god I want to start this and I'll be like and then I'll explain this whole like business plan to her Um, (laughs) whether I do it or not is like I think even when I was younger it was always like I just always had I loved coming up with like ideas for things and yeah obviously I have these ideas for passion projects but I don't end up like doing them sometimes it's just this like moment of oh my god I really want to do this um and then it goes away because I get busy and things things Mm -hmm. come and just get distracted but yeah yeah, um, I was asking this question because like, um, you know, a lot of people, even including me when I was in uni as well, like I had a lot of ideas, right? Passion project. Oh, this would be so cool. You know, even like, you mm-hmm. know, people who are working corporate, they have, have many ideas, right? Oh, I should have this side hustle. I should do this passion project. But not a lot of people actually do it, including myself when I was in uni or, you know, um, but I feel like you're, when you have an idea, you just do it. I guess, I guess like a doers, nobody, no one can win doers, I feel like. <laughs> Do you see yourself more of an executor and doer instead of like overthinking uh, about your ideas? Um, a bit of both. I would say when it comes to ideation, 100%, I'm like, just do it because mm-hmm. you never know. And like, I always mm-hmm. want to learn from you know the things that I'm doing so I run Mm. a lot of like the campaigns for Leho and it's always just like a very quick execution because I when we first started Leho I went to this talk and it was like fail fast and build cheap and that's kind of just stuck to my mind this whole time it's like I should just do it now while it's cheap until I build like a million dollar company and then I make mistakes and it's gonna be so expensive so now it's always like okay let's just get all our mistakes out let's just try everything if it doesn't work like at least we know And then we can test like when you're in that stage, you still can. But when you're bigger, it's like harder to make mistakes, you know, like especially now for us, 
before when we started, we could test loads of different products. And now it's like, okay, it's getting a bit expensive for Cashflow to test mm. as many products. Mm. So it's just understanding, I guess, the different stages and when you can play around more and when you have to be a bit more careful. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that I'm going to ask, you know, more questions about the Leo because we didn't really, you know, talk more about the Leo, what, what Leo is and stuff like that yet. But I want to highlight that, you know, your your website and your your Instagram is so beautiful. Um, oh, thank it's you. very, very cool. And then, yeah, I was really impressed. I just wanted, wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And you have like this, like, um, you know, the story as well, like, you you know, when I visited your website, I remember that, like, I could understand 100% why you're doing this, and then how you help uh, the society and the homeless people with what so um, it was very clear. Uh, super yeah. cool. Because there, there, are, there are a lot of websites, you just like, don't understand what they're doing, right. But like, when I was on your website, it was super clear, and straightforward. And uh, yeah, super cool. That's so funny you say that. We literally updated our website like last week or two oh. weeks ago and added, and added those pages because before it was a website where you go on and it's like, we know you give back, but like, we don't know how, what the story oh. is. So we've literally added like so many pages. So it's funny that you say that, but I'm glad oh you noticed. Yes, it looks good. <laughs> okay, so now can you tell us more about Leo? I know what Leo is, but like for our listeners... Can you tell us more about Leo and why did you start Leo and what does Leo mean to you? Yeah, so I'm going to start with how Leho started. I would say Leho started off as a very pivotal journey. It would literally take me another podcast in an hour to explain <laughs> from start to end. So I'm just going to jump straight to what Leho is. Yes. Um, but Leho, so we started it in 2019 and it was an original kind of buy one, give one company. We it was you buy a pair of socks and we give another pair to someone experiencing homelessness because mm-hmm. clean socks were one of the most requested items of clothing at homeless shelters. And then kind of fast forward a couple of months, we realized because we do a lot of the outreach ourselves till this day, we go out, we hand all the essentials, we do all the projects ourselves. We realized that people needed more than just socks. You know, they needed mm-hmm. clean underwear, toiletries, shower gels and stuff, especially people staying in hostels um, who were paying for hostels but didn't really have the kind of extra cash to then spend on like sanitary care and stuff like that so we decided to dedicate kind of five percent of our monthly revenue and Mm -hmm. instead of just giving a pair of socks we would give and support all of these projects and charities in a very I guess bespoke way so Mm -hmm. for example one charity would need like loads of essentials they need toiletries and stuff we can provide that with this Mm -hmm. pool this impact fund we call it a pool of impact funds basically Mm -hmm. so the five percent always goes into this pool of funds and then we take that pool of funds and we distribute it towards like loads of different projects and then because we started giving essentials we then started doing loads of project partnerships as well with charities because sometimes it's not just donations that they need because they get a lot of donations it's also support that they need from small businesses like us whether it's employment it's you know upskilling training and stuff like that so I think you know it's we're still working on the kind of overall business model it's just been a very um how do I say this we've just been trying to shape it and like mm. learn as we go until we're like ready. I wouldn't say until it's like perfect, but until it's like a point where we're like, okay, this actually works. And mm. um, I think why I started it is 
goes back to I guess the purpose and you know I want to build something that inspires people to do good I what I find is that you know doing good obviously makes you feel good but a lot of people don't have time to commit to volunteering yes. every Saturday morning mm. or every Sunday mm. morning or every Thursday morning but mm. that doesn't make you a bad person because you don't have that time to commit to that because mm. I get it you know you're trying to you, you're working nine to five you come back in the evening you're tired it doesn't necessarily make you a selfish person but I think a lot of people can feel that way because I know I did I was like, there's all these like charities and all these people I see going out on the streets every single day helping people in need. And I'm like, I can't even do that. Why can't I dedicate that time? Yeah. But instead of making kind of myself feel bad, it's like, how can we challenge that and build something where people can give back through loads of different ways? You don't have to volunteer. You can share a charity story. You can, you know, donate. You can buy a product that helps, mm-hmm. you know, other charities. And now we started Leho Do Good Feel Great events because mm. we work directly with a lot name. of them. Do Feel Great <laughs> event? Wow, super yeah. cool. Tell me more. Thank yes. You. So, yeah, so it's basically we help, we work with a lot of vulnerable people directly. And we have a lot of people from our community that are basically like, how can we help? You know, they buy our products and they see the work that we do and they want to get involved. But it doesn't work like that. We can't basically invite everyone to come and join us in, mm. you know, working with these vulnerable people because there's a lot of risk involved. And so we decided, okay, why don't we set up events where people can come and like pack donations with us, pack care packages with us, learn more about the impact and be a part of it whilst also bonding over like food and drink and meeting other people. And we decided to, I guess, make it more of like a fun way of giving back and have loads of different options so I think yeah that was just the challenge that we're like determined to solve and it's just being able to provide different ways for people to give back without you know them having to dedicate so much time and feel like guilty or selfish that they're not giving back because Mm -hmm. there are so many different ways you can you know do good and we want to make it like fun and cool to Mm. you know do good (laughs) so yeah Super cool. I I completely resonate with you because I also felt kind of like guilty um, because, you know, I know that I want to volunteer, you know, I've been saying this like for many years, but I'm not doing it. But like, I feel like, oh, like I'm making excuses, right? Yeah. So I completely resonate with what you said. But like, if there are ways, like, for example, Leo, um, you know, if there's a way I can kind of like at least contribute to this community through Leho, I think, uh, you know, I can A, I can help like vulnerable people, B, and I will feel good. <laughs> <weird>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's like, that's what social enterprises are for. You know, I, I feel like I said this in another podcast, but I'm like, I can't believe that every single business out there already isn't doing good. You know, there's, I feel like every business should because a lot of social issues aren't because of one problem basically it's not because of the government it's you know social issues get solved by businesses by charities by the government by communities and society it's all of us Mm. together that help Mm. like alleviate this it's not just the government need to do this it's also actually businesses need to do this businesses are responsible because businesses have a lot of influence over consumers and what they purchase their lifestyle their consumption yes so, you know, I think, yeah, in a way, it's like everyone kind of contributing to helping solve this problem mm. or make this problem or this problem a little bit better, 
I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, the same with homelessness. When we kind of first started it, we realized that it's not just the government, it's not just charities that are responsible mm-hmm. for ending homelessness. It's businesses, it's society, it's the way we treat people that are experiencing homelessness or the way we perceive them. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's very, I agree. First of all, I agree. And that's very interesting perspective. And I, you know, I didn't really think about that. But that is actually true, because we tend to when there's a social problem, you know, we tend to blame government, hey, it's government's job, they need to change policy, they need to take care of homeless people, whatever, whatever the social issues. But actually, it's not just a government, actually business owner or charity whatever like we have some sort of like responsibilities to 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 contribute to to the community wow this is interesting (laughs) yeah thanks for sharing yeah um okay so now so you started leho in 2019 so it's uh it's over three years i believe yeah so almost four years i guess Um, no three three okay sorry um yeah december 2019 so three years wow massive growth though right three years wow that's impressive so um how was your first year in business because i'm asking this question because i'm sure you were super busy like building your business um but you know you you just like graduated like from masters you know obviously you have friends you want to hang out during the weekend and stuff like that so how did you make time for yourself and your friends and your family like especially in the first year yeah so first year I mean first year we so we launched in December 2019 three months later it was lockdown (laughs) So I was like, oh, living was at home. So, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But um, as the year progresses, obviously there's like more work to do. And, you know, this was, we were speaking about this. This is like work-life balance, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually read, I'm reading this book and I'm only on like chapter two, but I'm loving it. It's called 4,000 Weeks. And my whole life until last week, I had always been, not my whole life, sorry, when I first started Leho, when I started working or even started thinking about a work-life balance, I always fantasized about having this work-life balance because this Mm. was what I thought was, you know, kind of the way to live or like success or whatnot. But actually in a history of like humanity, work-life balance doesn't exist. No one has ever, there's never been a time where everything in your life is like fully in control for the rest of your life. You don't hit this point where you're like, my work-life balance is 100% from when I'm like 32 all the way till, you know, Mm -hmm. the rest of my life. It doesn't work like that, which Mm -hmm. is so interesting because it's basically, you know, you will never get a time where you do everything that you want to do, whether it's, you know, you're 100%. If everything in your life was basically calculated by percentages, let's say, so work was 100%, relationships 100% friends family 100% and yourself 100% you're never gonna be at a point where everything is 100% and you're never gonna be at a point where your emails stop piling up your to-do lists get shorter you know it's like this basically this book was explaining how instead because when you add when you add so much pressure onto this work-life balance you're basically making yourself feel more empty and lonely because say I'm like I want to go to the gym three times this week And I also have this amount of work to do because I want to hit this work goal. But then I also want to see my friend 
you know, Grace, or I want to see my friend Freya, I want to see like my friend Casey. And then it's like, you're just making yourself even more stressed. You're pressurizing yourself and you're basically micromanaging your life. And mm. I'm like the queen of micromanaging my own life until <laughs> it's honestly like so are. <laughs> it's so bad because I use work as a distraction for a lot of my problems in life. I just work and work and work until I'm like, okay, I'm not thinking about this problem anymore. Mm. And it's so unhealthy. It's like, it's crazy. And so I think, you know, they basically said work with your work with life, but then instead of working against it, you know, so it's like mm. working with your problems and working and understanding that, again, not everything is going to be 100% you. I think it was Chris Williamson in his podcast, he was basically saying, like, in life, you have to sacrifice a lot of things. So if you have a massive work project, guaranteed you're not going to be able to see your friends or family until mm. you hit that deadline or say it's like your friend's wedding you're not going to be in your friend's wedding with your laptop trying to yeah. you know <laughs> respond to these emails so it's never going to be you know all of these commitments and stuff you're never going to have that balance but when you kind of you know work with them rather than against them then it makes you more like satisfied basically with life because mm. then you feel a bit more reassured that you can't control everything if you're feeling unproductive today then at 4 p.m you switch off you go for a walk tomorrow you're ready to go again rather than mm. forcing yourself like I wrote this as a to-do list I need to finish it and if I don't then I finish the day being like I've achieved nothing you know mm. I didn't get what I wanted to do done and then you end up feeling like sorry for yourself mm. um so yeah I think the work-life balance now I'm like vetoing it no, you can't like you know you can't have some things come and go people you know you, you might have a week where something happens like either your friend gets married someone goes through a breakup or you lose someone that you love you can't control mm -hmm. those things in life yeah. so yeah I think that's really interesting to kind of put that into perspective wow. so yeah now I I, I wouldn't say I don't have a work-life balance but I'm not like chasing for one if that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah wow so because like when we hear like work-life balance we sometimes I feel like you know there is I feel like especially in corporate life for example like nine to five okay yeah. work and after five o'clock yeah. is my lifetime but it doesn't really yeah. even if like you only work until five o'clock it doesn't really work like that I feel like there's no like boundary you can just like set because like it's not like after 5 p.m when you're like hanging out with your friends it's not like your problems are disappearing. It's not like you're not mm. thinking about work at all, right? So still, it's impact yeah. is affecting your emotions and everything. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So what you're sharing was super, super uh, interesting. Um, and I guess like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess like it's accepting this the the current situation and be more present. I think that that's kind of one of the messages that you were. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's also managing your expectations. So learning mm. to not have this many expectations for work. Obviously, yeah. you know, you can't control like especially for people working corporate jobs, like you have a deadline, you can't control that. Mm. So you have to do it. But at the same time, it's like I'm speaking more for, for example, like the founder culture. You mm. know, I can work, yes, if I finish at five, I'll go home, eat, or I'll meet my friends for dinner. I'll go home and pop on Netflix but I'm still working on the side like yeah the to-do list never ends you know you have still yes. so much to do like I could work if I wanted to I could work until 6 a.m but I don't I choose yeah. not to 
you know yeah. but it's just yeah I think it's it's I guess being able to read and understand your what your body or your mind's trying to tell you and I never listen to my body or mind like again I micromanage manage everything in my life so if for example I'm you know seeing like if I'm on holiday I find it really hard to switch off I bring my laptop with me all the time mm-hmm. but then now I'm reading this book <laughs> I haven't even finished it. I'm only on chapter two so I'm like <laughs> I'm like ready for for the other chapters but it's like if I don't do this today what is going to happen you know having that mindset is like really interesting because when you try to micromanage everything or try and like control everything there's a deadline to every single like task you know, it's mm. like, I have to do this. I have to do this now. Yeah. But then it's like, but if you don't do this now, what's going to happen? You're not going to lose your business. Are you going to be in debt? No. So I guess it's the balance is being able to, I guess, read, not read your mind, but almost control your mind and be mm. able to respond to it more kindly or to be able to step back and analyze and be like, is this really worth it? Or is this really Mm. gonna, you know, make my business bankrupt? Or can I actually Mm. go on this holiday and, you know, relax and, you know, enjoy it? Whereas I go on holiday forcing this creative flow that I know I can get and yeah. it's so frustrating. <laughs> it's so I'm like, okay, I'm lying on the beach. I'm like, okay, got my book, bikini cocktail, and I'm like, okay, come on. Oh my like, gosh! I totally like, know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's so bad. And I'm Come on, on give it to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready for this crazy. I know. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> so yeah, I I had to learn it the hard way. Um, because I'd come back from holidays being even more disappointed that I yeah. didn't get that creative flow. I know. I know. You know, and yeah. So I think it's really interesting. It's like because you didn't give your brain that break to be able to allow that flow to come it was just like you're still thinking about work you're trying to force this creative flow yeah yeah but yeah I agree I'm just feeling so guilty about everything that you said because like I, I am like that I'm control freak and I just yeah. like need to when things don't go as I planned I'm freaking out and yeah. <laughs> I'm just like I need to control everything but it's not like that so yeah but like how can we, I don't know, managing expectations so hard. And I think that this is related to the next question that I was going to ask you, which is um, uh, about the imposter syndrome, especially yeah. like when you are, you know, building your business, uh, you know, there are other businesses out there in the market that they can be like direct competitors or even not competitors, but like other, other businesses as well. It's so easy to kind of like, I don't know, like, how do you deal with, have you, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? yourself or if you did how do you like deal with it or how do you come with cope with it yeah um it's funny because actually before this call I actually googled the signs of imposter syndrome because I had a definition of imposter syndrome in my head and it was Mm -hmm. when like your mind is telling you no you can't do this you can't do this you're not good Mm -hmm. enough blah 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 but actually which is really interesting the three things the three signs is blaming accomplishments on luck dismissing positive feedback and feeling unworthy of success and I was like oh my god that is me like that has been me for my whole life where if anything I guess even especially with Leho like you know my friends are so proud I've got such like a proud 
family and everyone's just so incredibly supportive but for some reason I never feel like that is due to me and my co-founders hard work like I never Mm. even think like it doesn't even occur to my mind it's like this disbelief of your own success and Mm. that is imposter syndrome and I always thought imposter syndrome I don't know about you but for me imposter syndrome was just in my mind like you can't do this you're not good enough you know same exactly that's that's what I thought like imposter syndrome like yeah it is it is yeah at the same time yeah other three signs are these three things and mine comes from perfectionism with work specifically when it comes Mm. to relationships friendships and stuff the perfectionism isn't there like I'm a different person when I'm at work and I'm a different person when I'm with my friends because I know how to like like business is business and then when I'm with my friends I'm like (laughs) woohoo um so but the imposter syndrome comes both ways I have it both with like especially with relationships and with work those are the kind of two ways I feel like my imposter syndrome kind of takes over my life and I was trying to figure out where it comes from and there are two kind of I guess how do I say this there are two ways and these aren't just the two only ways these are just the two ways that I've taken um I've like basically my key takeaways and Mm. the two ways is one you can either grow up it's by your upbringing so we're all basically all products of our own upbringing we're shaped Mm. by you know how we grow up how our families treated us teachers our friendships and all of that shapes who we are and so you have imposter syndrome can come from you know people who were told their whole life that they can't do it they're not good enough you know they they had or there was a lack of or say you know a lack of support or you know they felt like underrepresented Mm -hmm. and then you have imposter syndrome for people who have been praised a lot their whole life you're amazing congratulations these are like you know you're number one you have done so well you're going to be so successful you're going to be a millionaire Mm. so imposter syndrome can happen to anyone and it's primarily for these kind of two categories and Mm. I would say mine kind of fits in so I had the worst grades at school like I was never a straight-A student you're so smart really I can't believe that (laughs) but (laughs) I mean obviously it's like projects that you were doing it's you know I'm not textbook smart like not at all but when it comes to like business and Mm. you know like entrepreneurship and stuff I would say I have more experience and confidence Mm. in that or like Mm. running events and stuff but you don't have to, again, you know, a lot of people don't go to school or you need yeah. to become like, you know, mm-hmm. like smart or successful. But I would say I had both, you know, teachers being like, you got like a D in this, you got an E in this, this is like really bad. And so I never expected a good grade out of any mm. exam that I did. I would put in my all, but I would never be like, I know I'm going to get an A. And I didn't. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know what that means. So for any therapist listening to that, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I, again, I, because when I was younger, I loved extracurricular activities. I played tennis a lot. I um, played football as well. And oh. then I also loved organizing events for school. So those were my top three, like extracurricular. And I had a tennis coach and she was always like basically cheering me on being like, I want to sign you up to like your junior championship, wow. blah, blah, blah. And then football, I was like not so good at, but I loved it. And I was like moving down from, you know, like midfield all the way down to just like defense. I, obviously, obviously there's, you I know, whichever football, position you're in. Yeah. yeah. 
obviously whichever position you still need like skill but in my <laughs> head as at school I was like moving down to like you know just by the goalkeeper I then became a striker and so then when it comes to like events I was always praised by my teachers by like my family being like you're amazing you know you're going to be like one of my teachers was like you're going to be like a CEO of a magazine company and my other teacher was like wow. you know you're going to be like head of events for some big events like they just saw that in me but then I also had a lot of teachers who were like you're never going to go anywhere you can't mm. do IB so in Hong Kong we did IB so mm. you get BTEC IB A levels we didn't have A levels so it was BTEC or IB and they basically said you can't do IB you need to do BTEC because your GCSE grades aren't good enough I, I, so I, I have think, no idea what it is but by IB is a better one what is it like IB is harder okay. supposedly harder so you've got mm -hmm. BTEC and then you've got O levels A levels IB I think so mm -hmm. I mean I don't know either but mm -hmm. I basically my mum had to go into school and be like no she wants to do IB just let her do IB and so it's really interesting you I had both kind of categories that I fell in one that was I was always yeah. kind of praised and then one that I was always put down but for the praising which is really interesting is that because you've been praised so much when you're younger when you become a founder when you become older you or an adult you don't get praised every day for things that you do that is you don't so get a merit founder especially when you're a business yeah. owner yes exactly you don't get a certificate mm -hmm. or a merit or a pat on the back you give yourself that pat on the back oh wow yes yes but do you know 100%. what I mean and now I'm like oh wow like I know where my imposter syndrome comes oh. from but it's just it's really interesting to kind of see it in that perspective and so I guess to kind of wrap the imposter syndrome up it's more learning it's a so pro process but I think acceptance is always key to understand okay yes you have imposter syndrome but focusing on one not comparing yourself like mm -hmm. um to other so I wouldn't say I compare myself I don't but I do measure my success and growth of the business based on other female founders my age or other male founders my age so mm -hmm. I'm very much like because I started it young me and yeah. my co-founder always look at other young people who also had a three-year business who now have you know raised like a million whereas we're bootstrapping so it's so easy to be like wow this is how much they've achieved in three years mm -hmm. but then ignore how much we've achieved in three years yeah you know so I think it's being able to kind of yeah stop overthinking everything that you're doing and stop comparing and also just being able to celebrate the small milestones wow Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. oh my gosh honestly the, this portion that you shared with me about the imposter, imposter syndrome I, I want to chop that portion I'm sure I want to share with all my friends honestly this is so good <laughs> it's Too good. yeah it's so it's good. interesting it's crazy it's so interesting. And, yeah I um yeah and I'm really like you know, I I've, I've talked about imposter syndrome surface level at a few talks and podcasts and, and a lot of people have responded and a lot of people have said that they've gone through the same thing. But, you know, we all stand there like, yeah, me too, me too. And then it's like, yeah, okay, you know, mm -hmm. and then it's like, OK, then what do we do? We, it's just like something that we live with. But actually, yeah, you know, I feel like sometimes in life, once you understand where something comes from, it's yeah. easier to like manage. <laughs> 
But it's good that you, you, because like a lot of people, including myself, like, okay, yeah, I have imposter syndrome and I feel like, oh, a lot of people are talking about it. Like, you know, a lot of people are going through it. So it's fine. Okay. What if, whatever, <laughs> just be it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Just ignore it. Right. But then it's actually amazing that you actually dig deeper and analyze, okay, where is this, where is this stemming from? And try mm-hmm. to like dig deeper and find out the root cause. Right. And now you, yeah. you kind of know like where it's coming from. And so I have a question actually. So, so then like in terms of like praising now, like how do you kind of like get that praise? Like, do you like, do you, I don't know, like, do you compliment yourself or do you just, do you have any kind of self-care? I don't know, kind of thing that you do to kind of like make you make yourself feel like better in, in certain ways. Um, I think obviously, so I feel like the reason why I dug so deep is because I think the imposter syndrome affects my team as well. It affects Mm. how I work with my co-founder. It affects how I then like work with like an employee. So I think now I'm like, okay, I need to celebrate these successes. I need to be able to say to the team, like, amazing, this is what we've done, X, Y, Z. Just because I'm not feeling it doesn't mean that my team shouldn't feel that. So I think that's one kind of key takeaway is to make sure, you know, I feel like for I think a year or Mm. even more than a year I was not bringing my co-founder down but we were never celebrating any small wins we weren't Mm -hmm. you know success for us was always yes it was lucky but actually it's like you work really hard yeah you know and I'm like now I'm like proud to say that I'm like yes I work really hard and so it is deserved but that again that imposter syndrome makes you feel like it's not deserved um Mm. luckily that praise that and you know this shouldn't be something that you should be seeking you shouldn't be seeking praise and validation it's good to get that but Mm. you know that imposter syndrome comes from you I guess yeah again that kind of self-care that you mentioned earlier learning how to speak kindly to yourself and to love yourself Mm. and to be comfortable Mm. um yeah I think self-care is really interesting because for me, I used to think self-care was like putting on a face mask and yeah, getting oh, a massage. It doesn't. I, think, <laughs> I, I mean, it is. Like it a is. desktop, wine, you know, that kind of thing that, you know, the photo, yeah, yeah, yeah. image that yeah. we have. <laughs> yeah, it is. But at the same time, I think, um, so for me, self-care is, you know, again, learning to love yourself. And I think mm. my whole life, it's really strange. I actually was thinking about this last night. I have never, only in January 2023, I've never felt comfortable, like, with myself. It's not comfortable with myself. I just didn't, like, feel like I enjoyed my own company. And really interesting, I read this quote, being alone and being lonely is two different things. Mm -hmm. I could be alone and I could sit in the house alone. I could, you know, drink wine or watch Netflix. I could be alone. But that kind of, being lonely is again something like completely different Mm. and so for me that self-care is I guess for like the longest time I would walk around in public or I'd go to like a restaurant or underground or wherever I was I always felt like someone was watching me no one was watching me but I feel like I had to I had so much anxiety that I had to like sit properly or I had to stand properly in the train station Mm. or you know I don't know what it was but I just didn't feel it wasn't confidence it was just I didn't feel comfortable with myself I had no Mm. relationship with myself 
you know, there was a very mm. disconnect with myself and dissociation with myself. So I was never my own best friend. I was never like, I didn't even know who I was. It was just my work Joey, friend Joey, and then being alone, <laughs> Joey. You know, it was like, I had no connection with myself at all whatsoever. And I think that affects like, like my relationships in the past, but also how I was with work and how, you know, like my mental health in general. Mm. And now I'm like, wow, like I actually understand self-care now. So now I'm actually, I can, I have a connection with myself now, you know, Mm. and I speak to myself more kindly. And I think it's learning to love and live with yourself and be there for yourself for like hard times. So say you were going through, yeah, your imposter syndrome, going Mm. back to that. The only person who can kind of wiggle you out of that is technically yourself. Wow. I've got chills. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I've got chills multiple times today. I mean. Glad. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like you just mentioned it, like, oh, just be, be there for yourself. Mm. And um, I don't know, like, it's so interesting because when we're looking for, I don't know, like a great friendship or even partners as well. Hey, just be there for me. That kind of thing is like that, that sentence is so like naturally we say that, I don't know, at least for me, but I never really thought about like, oh, I should be there for myself through hard times or challenges. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Be there for yourself. I love that. (laughs) It's, it's so simple and you know what's funny is I actually have an amazing like support again of family and friends I keep saying this because I do and Mm -hmm. they're always there for me like if I need and I know Mm -hmm. that they are but even though they were there I always felt like they weren't there and it's not their fault that it was my fault because I wasn't there for myself and (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's scary now I'm like discovering so much about you know yeah but it's just and even like you know again I was saying like relationships I always felt like no they weren't there for me but actually I wasn't there for myself so -hmm. there were a lot of problems so you blame the other you won't blame the other person because you know that they're there but you just feel like something is missing yeah and that's something that was missing is actually you you (laughs) yeah it's yourself um so yeah oh my goodness wow yeah yeah so still have the glass of wine and the bath and the massage 100% that's still self-care but it's also like really properly enjoying it not forcing yourself to go for a walk because you need to go for a walk it's like I want to go for a walk and be by myself and be with my own thoughts and like process whatever I'm going through my problems my emotions you know it's like facing whatever you don't want to face yeah wow you're Wow. <laughs> Tomorrow is going to be my self-care day. I need to I need to kind of dig deeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it honestly it's like a huge relief. I feel like mm-hmm. I should have done this years ago. I just but you know, you you obviously go through things in life and you learn. So But honestly, good, like but... you're so young and then you know you you've, I mean, you, you you've done so much work for for yourself I mean in my opinion like clearly you have like great self-awareness you you know you, you yeah I mean I'm I'm really impressed because some of the things that you mentioned I haven't even thought about that at all yeah um yeah and thank you uh for sharing yeah, really good 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm only just learning. This is all new to me. I didn't always have self-awareness, I think, as of like last week. <laughs> and <laughs> You're being humble. <laughs> no, but genuinely, like I just, it's it's crazy to even think that I never, ever had a connection with myself. Like it just sounds so weird saying that out loud. I felt so disconnected from myself like that. And now that I look at it, I'm like, all I needed to do was just be friends with myself. And I never let that happen. I never, you know. Yeah. It makes me so sad. I'm like, even as a teenager, I never was friends with myself. I never like had that connection or like love with myself. And now that I do, it's just, everything makes sense. I'm like, wow, I can see clearly. It's like, you know, everything was blurry before you put on glasses and you're like, wow. (laughs) So, um, but yeah. Yeah, but I'm definitely going to share this with my one of my close friends as well because I remember she mentioned that like she always has to go outside because she's not feeling comfortable being alone. Um mm. it, it stuck that- with me so much and uh yeah, I, I yeah, and definitely there are so many people who are going to resonate with everything that you said. Um yeah. connecting with yourself because we don't really think about that. But actually yeah um yeah I need to ask yeah. myself as well do I might connect <laughs> yeah I think it's it's that the disconnect for me anyway comes from fear I think I'm mm. like but now you just learn to face it and you know what I said earlier so obviously you said your friend doesn't like being at home alone mm. again being alone and being lonely are two different things and sometimes yeah. obviously being alone makes you lonely but does she go out because she feels less lonely or Mm. is she just afraid to be alone with her own thoughts it's like yeah understanding why am I afraid because I love being alone but I hate the feeling of feeling lonely and when I say feeling lonely I don't mean not having someone in my life or not having my friends or family because I always have that that Mm -hmm. loneliness for me comes from myself so it goes back to that connection yourself for me anyway, because mm-hmm. I'm always surrounded by people. Like I remember when I was like at the peak of my, not the peak, like the lowest point of, you know, my mental health. And mm-hmm. I was really not happy and very disconnected with myself, like very, very disconnected. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I'd just do my makeup and then walk out of the house. And it just, I just showed up, but mm-hmm. I was never showing up as like me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would be in the supermarket and I would like randomly cry or I would be in a bar full of people, all of my friends and I would feel so lonely Mm-mm. and it's crazy because I'm physically not alone, but yeah. mentally I was very lonely. And mm-hmm. I think that loneliness again comes from, because I was so disconnected with myself, I wasn't mm-hmm. there for myself. So even though my friends were there with me and I was with everyone, there was still that part of me inside of me that was missing you know mm. wow does that make sense I'm trying to like <laughs> wow no I you know I definitely want to continue this conversation but I feel like if we continue it's going to be like a couple hours and <laughs> we, need, we need a glass <laughs> of wine 100 <laughs> percent yeah yeah no for sure um, I'm only discovering all of this now so I'm like ah. um but I love it interesting thanks so much for sharing I mean this is gonna be this is like this is helping me so much, A. Eh? And this is I'm hundred percent sure 
what you shared today is going to help so many people. Um, because yeah, I know that I so many people so. are going through, everyone is going through something and we all yeah, have exactly. like mental health, you know, big or small, different forms, yeah. mental health issues, everyone, I think. Um, yeah. So what you shared is definitely going to be so helpful for many people. Thank you. Yeah. No. <laughs> I hope so. Okay. Just a couple more questions. I had a, a lot more questions, but I'm just going to ask uh, just a couple more questions. So, okay. One thing that I wanted to ask uh, before I let you go is about your passion for film. Can you just like quickly share a little bit more about that? Like, <laughs> because I saw that like you're very, very passionate about like sharing stories through your videography or, you know, photography. So yeah, share, share with us just quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say I studied, I mean, I always mentioned, I mean, I mentioned before, obviously I love the kind of creative side of things and um, I studied film for a bit, but I never, it's really weird. I spoke to a lot of my videographer friends at school. No one teaches you that the, being a videographer is a job. Mm. Maybe they do now, but they didn't back then. Yeah. So I loved videography, but wow. I thought if I studied film, the only career route was being a director. And I didn't think I was good enough to be a director. So I was like, Vito, I'm not going to, like, I tapped out of it. And then I went to uni and I was like, oh, my God, a videographer is a job. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> Why didn't no one at school tell me? Maybe they do now. But so, yeah, I love, like, stories visually. I think there's so much meaning. And I think that, again, goes back to me growing up in so many different countries. I love being able to tell stories of different cultures, different people, different lives and all of that so mm. I think that's where the passion comes from it's like I guess the you know how much power a video or media can have on you and mm. yeah I think I wanted to get involved like that's my passion I wouldn't say it's something that I'm like amazing at I do it freelance on the side um oh. but and I do it for Leho as well but it's not you know again it's not something that I have like huge expertise in it's just something that I think is just so amazing that I want to like keep in my life. So yeah. yeah well, super cool. I know like, you know, there are some like on YouTube as well. There are some channels where I forgot her name. She has like a 4 million like subscribers. Like I think she's based in Sweden or something like that. But like she always like create this like a uh, super cool videos. And then each video actually has a lot of meaning, uh, even though like oh, she shares nice. like nature and stuff like that, but there's story, story in it. Everyone loves it because everyone loves yeah. stories right yeah exactly so, yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it's always nice yeah to kind of bring like ideas to life visually whether oh. it's through a photo or a video so yeah super cool super cool okay thank <laughs> you um okay so uh two last questions so these are the questions that i asked to all my guests so do you the first question do you have a mantra that you live by I feel like I've overused this with every interview, but everything happens for a reason. Um, mm. I think, you know, people come and go in your life to teach you a lesson. You fail to learn and you learn and then you become stronger. You know, if you don't get into, I remember when I was applying for uni, I visited every single uni I went to. The only one I didn't visit was Newcastle. And oh, wow. I didn't get into every, actually, sorry, I got into one of them, but I didn't get into almost every single uni I applied for except the one I didn't see. And I was bummed out. I was so upset. I was like, you know, obviously my grades weren't amazing and I just scraped Newcastle. But when I went to Newcastle, I obviously had an amazing uni life. I met like all of my best friends that I'm friends with now. And so I think, yeah, everything, don't stress like the, 
I always say pain is temporary. You know, things do get better. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding that pain is temporary will help make life so much easier. Whatever you're going through now, it's like a breakup or, you know, imposter syndrome, whatever. All of that is temporary. In like 20, 50 years, you're not going to be going through the same thing you're going through today. So everything happens for a reason. And I just like, like to let life drag me I'm like hold you know when you go like water skiing I'm just holding on to that rope like let it go I'm just like take me (laughs) Um, so yeah wow love it pain is temporary wow I I never heard of that wow this is super cool this is like a master (laughs) class by joy (laughs) okay so my last question is do you have like any any book or podcast that you you want to recommend to our listeners book I mean I'm only, I'm only on chapter two but 4,000 weeks obviously <laughs> that teaches you about weeks. time mm-hmm. productivity um but I guess the one book that helped me with my career was start something that matters by Blake Mikoski he's the founder of Tom's and I love yeah. that book too I actually it's thought so of him good. when I was when I found you actually uh because yeah I mean our business model was the same yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so we started as a buy one give one obviously we moved away from that but his book doesn't just talk about that it talks about fear it talks about so many different things Mm. I'm like I love it it's so good um and podcast wise I'm at the moment listening to Chris Williamson I think yeah he's I just sometimes I need that a bit of like an alpha just talking to Mm, me yeah you know (laughs) so I just like I love watching like that kind of like energy because I need that in my okay, life. Okay, ready, set, go, let's go. That kind of energy, right? Exactly. I know. I, know yeah. I haven't listened to his podcast. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out after. Definitely. Yeah, I think he dives into a lot of. I love all of his points. He dives into a mm-hmm. lot of things that I dived into earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But it's like different topics about loads of different things: relationships, work, friendships, family, um, wow. just okay. a lot. So yeah, I would definitely consider. I'll do it right away after our <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. Wow. It was super fun, Joy. Thank you so much. I mean, like, hey, it's been you. an hour and I can talk to you for hours and hours, but you have a busy day, I'm sure. And thank you so much for, <laughs> you know, taking your time to, 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 you know, come on our show and sharing your stories. And it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Anything that I missed or anything that you want to, you want to say before we wrap up? um no but thank you so much for having me this is actually really fun <laughs> super fun super fun I'm gonna link you know your website is amazing beautifully designed new website <laughs> and uh yeah I mean like where can people find Leho on our website www.leho.co.uk or on our Instagram at Leho underscore UK I think yeah super beautiful instagram honestly check it out thank you um, yeah all right thank you so much joy super thank great you. too yeah ciao with you thank you for joining us this week Hope you learned something new from this episode and now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. 
make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired we never know lastly be sure to subscribe and follow self-made express with lucy john on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and i will talk to you very soon thanks for being here